This is episode number 123 with Emma Isaacs. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? This week's podcast is brought to you by Organifi, which is a superior, organic, all-natural, vegan superfood blend, refined and clinically tested and time-proven. Now, as most of you know, I travel a lot, but my health is one of my top priorities and something I'm so passionate about and will never skimp on, which is why when I travel, I carry my little Organifi green juice sachets with me. So no matter where I am in the world, I can always start my day with delicious, alkalizing, nourishing greens, which is great because no matter what happens after that, at least I've started my day loaded with green goodness. And the amazing thing about Organifi is they don't just do greens. They have red juice, golden turmeric blends, yum-o, clean protein powders, probiotic blends, and so much more. Now, I first tried these yummy greens last year when we were doing service work with the Syrian refugees in Greece because Mike Sherbakov, who has been on this show, whipped out his little green sachets every morning. And a few days in, I asked if I could try one and I was hooked. Not only is it super delicious, but I felt amazing and was buzzing with energy. And so I have a special offer for you. If you want to get 20% off anything store-wide, all you have to do is head to OrganifiShop.com and that's spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com. Don't worry, I'll link to it in the show notes just in case you're driving. And type MA Tribe at the checkout and you will get 20% off everything in your cart. How epic is that? Emma Isaacs is the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, Australia's largest community for women. She is passionate about inspiring women to be bold, be courageous, and to take risks. When Emma was just 18, she became the co-owner of a small recruitment company where she had just started working. When she sold the business eight years later, it had grown exponentially and she had been named as Australia's favorite recruiter in the Seek Awards for three consecutive years. When Emma was 26 and while she was still running the recruitment company, she felt the urge to try something new. She was invited to a a small event by a group called Business Chicks, where she learned the business was up for sale. Emma took a leap of faith and brought it. Over the past 13 years, Emma has transformed Business Chicks from the ground up, growing it to 
250 members today. That's where it's at now. How amazing is that? It is a global enterprise that operates in two continents, 11 cities, and produces more than 100 events annually. And in the past, they've had speakers such as Sir Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Dr. Brene Brown, Ariana Huffington, Sir Bob Geldof, and Jamie Oliver. Now she was born and raised in Sydney, and she now lives in LA with her husband and five young children. She has raised over 12 million Australian dollars for charity and is a serial property investor and continues to head up the now international business chicks. And her first book, Winging It, is out now. And in today's episode, we chat about her story and how she got to where she is today, what is winging it and why everyone needs to embrace it, why you need to master your mind to achieve anything in life and business, why being a student for life is key to your growth, how to inspire others, her best relationship tips, why vulnerability is the key to life and business, the secret to five epic blissful home births, why you need to be mindful of your stories and dialogue, what she attributes her success to, plus so much more. And for everything that Em and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash one, two, three. And before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week it comes from Chantel and she says, you are a true light worker. Listening to Melissa's podcast has positively influenced all areas of my life, including the areas of health, wealth, relationships, and work. Melissa interviews with such enthusiasm, compassion, and asks crystal clear questions, often the exact ones I'm wanting to know the answers to. She interviews amazing people from all sorts of backgrounds and professions, and with each episode, I will learn and leave inspired and wanting to listen to more. I absolutely love the work of Melissa and I love the work she is doing for the greater good of humanity. Grateful for all that you do and keep up the magical work in spreading your light and love. Thank you so much, Chantel, for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave me your review there. And without further ado, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Emma is such a freaking goddess. So let's dive in with the one and only Emma Isaacs. Beautiful Emma, I am so excited to have you on the show today, a fellow Aussie. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I listened to your podcasts and I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Today is actually the day I had pancakes and I had the typical American breakfast of pancakes. I had some blueberries and raspberries, but damn, like if you got me yesterday, I actually did have the kale smoothie, but today it was pancakes. (laughs) Oh, it's all good. It's all good. As long as they were delicious. (laughs) They were awesome. Now, we met many years ago. I think the first time we met was when I spoke at one of your business chicks 
events, Nine to Thrive. And I have to be really honest with you, before meeting you, I was a little intimidated because you are incredibly successful and you're a powerhouse and you're a trailblazer. But when I met you in person, I was blown away at not only how present you are with each person that you interact with, but how authentic, kind, and loving you are. And since that interaction, you know, you have inspired me so much because you really, truly walk your talk. So thank you for being you and for all of the magical work that you're doing in the world. And congratulations on your first book, Winging It. It's so exciting. And I can't wait to talk about that in today's episode. But before we talk about that, can you tell us about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. And thank you so much for those kind words. That's so sweet of you. Um, I remember meeting you actually, and I was similarly blown away. Um, And I hate the fact that you were intimidated because I'm just the biggest marshmallow really when it comes down to it. And um, yeah, I mean, that that is not a nice feeling that I would ever make anyone feel that way. So happy to have you in my life and so appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today as well. So yeehaw for that. So I suppose my uh, story is a little bit uncommon in that I've actually never really worked for anyone else apart from a casual job I had whilst at school. So I suppose you could describe me as like an alpha entrepreneur. I had my first company when I was 18 years old um, and I'm about to turn the big four zero next year, um, which I'm, I'm secretly really excited about. I'm feeling very calm about that. Um, but I've been at this business game for you know over 20 years now, which is really, really exciting. Um, but yeah, I had a recruitment company to start with and led that business for about I think seven years or so. And we did really well. You know, we run a stack of awards and we built a really, really beautiful culture. We got the business to about 30 people and, you know, it was like a a family. All my businesses, I treat my, you know, team members like their family. And I was just the mother hen of that company. Even though I was so young at the time, um, I've always been a bit of a, a wise soul, I suppose. But yeah, did that business for seven years. And then I had this kind of weird epiphany, went backpacking in India as you do, and, and just kind of got to thinking there must be something more out there for me. And even though this business is my identity and it's all I know and it's all I've ever done, and, you know, there was, there was no delineation between me and that business. It was just, all, all the one thing. But um, a girlfriend invited me along to a business chicks event. And I thought, you know, I'm, I had been this serial networker, this hardcore networker. I made sure I went to every single industry event. I went to all the industry conferences. I volunteered on boards and I just was this hardcore networker, but I'd never heard of this group called business chicks. And I actually said to her, I said, there's no way I'm going to any event that calls themselves business chicks. You know, like I'm, I'm a proper, <laughs> I'm a proper businesswoman that's degrading to women. You know, I'm a feminist. And, and she said to me, Em, get over yourself and come along to this event. Um, and look, I'm obviously really glad that I did. I walked into that room and I was completely bowled over by what I felt and, and who I met in that room. And I just remember feeling like, I don't know, I was embraced by all these beautiful women. They were just, um, I don't know, business chicks still to this day. I hope that I've been able to continue on, on that energy. It still feels like, I don't know, we, we wrap people up in possibility and we tell them that, you know, they're enough and we try and create community like we used to have at church or at the synagogue or with sports clubs. So that's kind of what I felt the first time I went to a business chicks event. And I remember I was in the worst possible seat in the back of the room, you know, and the people on the stage were like little ants and I couldn't have cared less. You know, I just loved it that much. And I ran back to my recruitment company and I said to everyone there, everyone become a member now. We've got to get behind this thing. And I think I bought two or three tables at the next event. And 
turned up to that event and then that was the day that I heard the business was for sale and I ended up buying it um, and got to work on that business. Um, we'll celebrate our 13th year this year and it's just been a, a pretty wild ride really. You know, we continue to grow, we continue to evolve. We've luckily for us been profitable since since day one but, I mean, business for me has been an expression of just life and and similarly to my first business it's just all the one thing you know I don't have this mindset of I work and then I go home and I play it's just all always been the one thing for me um yeah and I'm, I can truly say that I'm, I'm grateful for the work we're able to do and I, I still love it as much you know to this day as I did 13 years ago beautiful so what is your philosophy around work-life balance I don't really subscribe to it in terms of you know, I really kind of think the magic happens at the extremes. You know, it's it's not kind of in the, the middle part that takes up, you know, most of the time. So I feel like when we're not pushing ourselves, um, you know, out outside of the kind of nine to five um, and, you know, the everyday kind of, I suppose, churn that happens. I don't know, like I just, I get more excited when there's big things on the horizon or when I'm completely in flow with a project and I'm completely working to my strengths. And, you know, I feel like that doesn't have to happen between kind of nine to five and then we have to shut our computer down and, and go to the beach and watch the sunset. I mean, I appreciate all those things more than anyone. I'm, I'm deeply sensitive and, um, you know, I think I'm a hippie at heart, but, you know, I just, I, I love, I love to work hard and I don't have this kind of feeling like when I work hard, it doesn't equal stress to me. You know, I work hard because I love it. Um, and again, that comes back to, I feel very, very grateful that I had the opportunity to do work I love. Um, so I, I think we've kind of gone perhaps a little bit too far down the work-life balance um, narrative, you know, which, which kind of, which, which means that if you work hard, you must be stressed and you must work less um, to be less stressed. I, that's just never been my experience of life or of business, you know, and, and I think that's hard for a lot of people to accept because for a lot of people, work is hard and they don't, they want to do less of it. Um, but for me, I, I, I love it and it fuels me and I, I want to keep doing more of it. And it's the way I serve people and it's the way I serve community and it's the way I show up in the world. And, and I, it's not something I want to run away from. I, I truly love it. Mm, you can definitely feel that in everything that you do. You can really feel the love and you can feel the love in your new book, Winging It. So I guess buying business chicks all those years ago was a bit of an example of winging it. So can you tell us what winging it is and what does it mean to you and, and how have you winged it? Like what's your best winging it examples? Oh my God, I do it every day. And you know what's interesting? Before I um, sent the final manuscript to the publishers, I just thought I'm going to email kind of a hundred friends on a whim. This is the day before I had to submit the work to, um, to my gorgeous publishers. And I just said, everyone give me a story of when you've winged it. And, you know, my email inbox was flooded with people saying, oh my God, that's my philosophy of life. It's what I do every day. And, you know, everyone's got their own brand of winging it, right? But for me, it's about doing things before you're ready. It's about not having all the answers. It's about not necessarily having the experience to, you know, go forth with something. It's it's this mindset of, you know, I'm just going to have a try. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to back myself enough to know that I can figure it out. 
and I can work it out as we, you know, as we progress. And it's, it's really just about a mindset of anything's possible and you're the only person who's in the way of that. So yeah, I mean, buying business chicks was, I suppose, um, you know, one example of that. And, you know, my gut and my heart said, you've got to go for this, you've got to do it. And I ran up to the lady at the end of the event and I said, I want to talk to you, I want to buy this business. And that all felt really beautiful and, and wonderful. And then it was funny that I sort of started to start doubting myself with that. So then I started getting consultants to look at the figures and, and figure out whether it was a right move and whether the business could be profitable. And, you know, it was interesting. Those people came back to me and said, oh, this is not a business. It'll never be successful. You can't make a dollar from it, you know, put it to the side. And then when I kind of sat with it and started looking inward and going, I, that doesn't feel right to me. I actually think I can give this a go. And I checked in with that and, and went for it. And, you know, I mean, I I feel um, happy that I did that, but look, winging it, I mean, I did it with, you know, I I live in Los Angeles now. I'm Sydney born and raised, but we moved to LA two and a half years ago. And, you know, that was, a really big example of just, um, you know, having a go without having a plan and without knowing how it was going to turn out. Um, you know, my we did a series of launch events in New York and San Francisco and LA for business chicks and my hubby wasn't with me, but when I got back to Australia, he said, that looked amazing. You know, why don't we, you know, why don't you consider moving to, why, why don't we consider moving to the US? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, I think it was within six months, we were on the curb of um, Sydney airport with 37 pieces of luggage and about 500 kilograms of bags. And, you know, we had the four kids packed up and, you know, we, we moved to LA and, and, you know, we, we didn't know what we're getting into. We did not have a plan. We didn't know, we didn't have a house to move to, but that's where the fun stuff happens in the not knowing, you know, I just feel like we're so obsessed with controlling everything and don't get me wrong. I've spent my life goal setting and planning and I can achieve a goal like anybody, you know, I mean, if I put my head to it and put my mind to it, I can, I can do it. But I just think by controlling so much, sometimes we lose the beauty in just being able to be with whatever else might come up, you know? So that's, that's my version of winging it. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it comes through in the book, but like I said, by talking to all of my friends and contacts, I think we're all, we're all doing it a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. Absolutely. And it's one of those things, the more you do it, the better you kind of get at it. You feel the fear and you just do it. And you're like, what's the worst thing that could happen? That's, you know, I ask myself that. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? I'm just going to dive in and see what happens. And I love in the book, you know, you say the most important piece of work that we need to do is the work on our mindset, which is exactly what my first book, Mastering Your Inner Mean Girl, is all about. It's about mastering that negative fear-based voice inside our head, the one that says we can't do it or we can't afford it or we're not good enough or smart enough or who do we think we are? So has that always been something at the forefront of your mind or has mastering your mind been something that you've learned during this journey or was it something that you grew up with? I think the work of working on how we see the world and how we view ourselves is a lifelong thing. It's not something you just sort of wake up one morning and go, great, I'm free of self-doubt. <laughs> like I'm 100% confident because <laughs> I don't wake up like that. You know, there's, I have so many moments of, oh, my God, like I've got myself in too deep or what am I thinking or who am I to believe that I could do that? I mean, I, I have those thoughts every single day, but I think it's, you know, the quicker that you can come back from those thoughts and the quicker you can move on um, and the quicker you can find those strategies for combating that, you know, the better. And it's, you know, back to your point about 
fear. It's kind of like that fable. I don't know if you've heard it, but you know, it's like a man or a woman, probably more a woman, but riding a line and he's in the back of the line and people are all looking at him going, oh, wow, this guy's brave. And you know, the guy on the line is just thinking, how did I get here? And how do I stop myself getting eaten? You know, so it's, it's just, we all have views of ourselves and of others that are often not true. But yeah, for me, it's something I've definitely had to work on. I definitely cultivated and I, I do that, um, you know, by having a really strong beautiful set of friendships um, that I tap into. I have a business coach that I work with every single week and she helps me delve into, you know, why I'm having thoughts or beliefs about something. So I, I think it's a, your life work to, 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 you know, work on your mindset. Um, but, you know, I mean, I did have a couple of teachers, I suppose, in, in that. And I've always loved people who have seemingly, you know, come from nothing. I mean, when I say that, you know, they've come from not necessarily having an MBA or they haven't come from a wealthy background or they haven't, you know, whatever, they haven't found the tools or resources um, to, to get ahead. And they've somehow made it so that their lives are equally as successful as people who have come from something. So they're the sort of people that inspire me, people who are able to create from a baseline of nothing. And I take inspiration from that, you know, and I've always had the kind of mindset of, hang on a minute, if that person can do it, then maybe I can have a go at doing it. And yeah, it's, it's worked for me so far, but of course I have so many times where I slip back into, Oh, I don't know if I'm good enough or, you know, can, can I get it done? But I usually just go ahead anyway, <laughs> have a crack. Yeah. I love that. I love it. We've got to feel the fear and do it anyway. And I'm a big believer as well that, you know, we're a student for life. And I believe that we're here on earth to grow and evolve. And the only thing that we can take with us when we leave, because we can't take our possessions or anything like that, we can only take the evolution of our soul. And I often say that I'm in earth school or life university and I'm forever learning and I want to be, and I'm always will be. But I do see some people that finish high school and then never pick up another book and they don't have that mindset of growth and evolution and being the best version of themselves. Everyone listening to this show probably has that mindset, but what can we do if, you know, there's someone in our life that we can see isn't open wide to the learning and the growing? I've seen relationships drift apart because of that. So what can we do if, if that's our reality right now? I will say, I mean, I, I very much subscribe to the fact that we are the only ones who can make ourselves happy, right? You know, I don't know if you've been in relationships in the past where a partner hasn't been as happy or as positive um, as you are. I certainly have. And, you know, we can guide and, and, and we can lead and we can, you know, even coerce and, and try to influence people to have a growth mindset or to want to learn as much as we do. But ultimately, every single person is responsible for themselves. And, you know, I, I believe, like you, that there's so much to be gained from being a student of life and going to life's university. But if someone's not ready for that and doesn't want to participate, you know, we can, we can do what we can, but that's ultimately their journey. But I don't know if someone's open to, to the, you know, I, I would just say you're never, ever going to regret, um, you know, taking that course or going to that event or, you know, going on an experience that is going to take you out of your comfort zone. You know, I think all of your listeners are already um, subscribing to that already, but there's just, I just don't think you'll ever regret having learning opportunities and, um, you know, pushing yourself out. I think, I think we all need to do more of that for sure. Absolutely. And another thing I loved in your book so much, I wasn't expecting so much on relationships. When I first saw your book, I thought it was going to be more about business. And then I realized, oh my gosh, no, there's so much on mindset and life and relationships. And I was just like, 
this is a full-on personal development, you know, self-help book. It's amazing. And I, I just love it so much. There's so I got so much out of it. Something that you're really good at is cultivating really beautiful relationships. And that's, you know, what my second book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex is all about. So can you tell us your best tips and tricks for cultivating beautiful relationships? Because Em, you're really good at this. Like you're very, very, very good at it. So what are your top tips? There's probably a whole other book in this and I hope to be able to write it one day. Um, but, but I think it's what you said in your beautiful and generous introduction. It's about being very, very present with people. It's about caring deeply about others. Um, you know, what I said, because I'm in the world of kind of networking and we do about a hundred live events a year, I've, I've kind of watched how this plays out with so many people. And you know what it's like, you'd be setting at an event talking to someone and they're looking over your shoulder to be, to be, to be looking for the person who's more interesting or who's walking in the room. I always try and just look deeply into someone's eyes and connect with them and and just be with that person. And so I think being present is a really great place to start in terms of cultivating relationships. Um, The second thing I'd say is, you know, every single person is unique and comes with their own set of, you know, skills and strengths and, you know, really trying to understand life from their point of view is is really important as well. So that leads to personalizing everything. I mean, I my team think I'm absolutely nuts, but I you know, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, we um, launched a knowledge tour in LA that we're going to be running for um, our entrepreneur group within business sheets called Power Players. And we have about 100 members in Power Players. And I sent every single one of them an individualized invitation to this um, course we're doing in LA. And my colleagues are like, Em, that's going to take you half a day. And I'm like, well, you know what? I think it's worth me doing that because I get to connect with people. I get to, like, that's a gift for me to be able to do that. And I don't mind spending my time doing that. I think we, I don't know, I think we just don't give enough investment into our relationships. You know, at the end of the year, I have been known to write over a thousand Christmas cards to people. And it's not like, dear Mel, happy Christmas love M. It's like, I will tell you what you've taught me that year and I will think about what's coming up in the next year for you. And I will remember, you know, your husband's name and I will remember your dog's name. And, you know, that it's just really, really important to me. And I think that's how we've been able to build business chicks into where it is because we, we really, really, really deeply care about people. It's not, um, you know, this authenticity for marketing's sake. Like, I feel like if you have to tell people, you know, you're authentic at I don't know. It's just never really sat with me. I mean, I would rather my actions um, speak for myself rather than, you know, my words. So, you know, I really do invest a lot of time in my relationships. I, like I said, I personalize everything. Um, you know, it, I, I think of ways to surprise people and just pop up in their inbox or send them a, a card. I mean, obviously, handwriting um, letters and cards is really, really important to me. Um, you know, a bunch of friends pre-ordered my book just a couple of weeks ago. So, I sat here and spent half a day writing cards to say, thank you for supporting me. And I just think we've lost the art of treating people, um, I don't know, treating people well and and actually seeing people. You know, we walk down the street, we don't say hello to people anymore. We walk past the busker on the corner, we don't drop our 50 cents or whatever, $5 in their, you know, bucket. We, we step over homeless people. I just, I just feel really deeply that we need to get back to connecting with people and, and connecting is not liking an Instagram post. You know, it's not being a friend on Facebook. It's about, eyeballing someone or writing to them or even emailing them and and saying, I see you, I see you. And that's just been always my philosophy on, on building relationships. Um, yeah, I mean, you talked about 
I don't know if you want to go into my marriage and that's kind of <laughs> deep and fiercely private, but we, you know, my husband and I have been married for 10 years now and it's, um, it's, it's like better than it was 10 years ago when, you know, we were obviously, um, in lust and, and it was all very, very exciting. And, and I think marriage is, is just the thing where two people just commit to kind of showing up every day. And that is really hard work. It's, it's not, um, glamorous and it's not sexy and it's not fun. It's, it takes a lot of guts to kind of sit with your stuff and sit with your background and, and, you know, the wounds you bring from your childhood. And, and we all, we all take them with us and bring them to the present. So it's messy work and it's, it's not comfortable. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud that we've been married for 10 years. I, I, I don't really subscribe to there's a perfect person out there for you. I, I think we've all just got to, you know, do our best to, to open up and to show up. And, and, um, I don't know, that's, I, I suppose it's working. I don't know. You got to ask my husband. <laughs> Well, he sounds like he's very supportive. And I think that's another thing that's really important is, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are supportive of your journey and your goals. It's very, very important. And another thing that I love that you said in the book is that, and I I got this from one of my best friends who passed away about three years ago, and she used to make every single person in the room feel like they were the most important person on the planet. And and I love that that's something that you really work on as well. And I feel that. And that's how I felt when I first met you in that room in Sydney. You made me feel like, and I'm getting emotional, like even just saying, <laughs> you made me feel like I was the most important person on the planet. And it's, we are so distracted with social media and things like that now. And it's something that I really am conscious of and mindful of that whoever is standing in front of me, that I am so present with them, that I'm there. Like you will never, ever see my phone on the table at a dinner party. If I'm with people, my phone is nowhere in sight, especially like if I'm having a catch up with someone, it is not in sight. And it's always on silent because we're constantly being distracted by our device. And that's pulling us out of the present moment. And I and I totally wholeheartedly agree with you that we need to make more of a conscious effort with our relationships because they there's that saying, the grass is greener where you water it. And if you want your relationships to grow and thrive and flourish, then we've got to water them. And especially with our husbands, they're our biggest mirrors. And it's not all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. Like my husband and I are constantly working on ourselves and working on our relationship because we want to be the best version of ourselves and we want to show up as best we can for each other. So I love that, you know, you've really shared a lot about relationships in the book, both your personal relationships, but also business relationships and networking. Um, and you've given us some great tips, which is, is just so awesome. So thank you so much. And I know you're a massive fan like me of Brene Brown. And um, in your book, you talk about the common traits among successful people. And that is that they aren't afraid to be vulnerable with each other. And, you know, I see that in you and your posts and you're very vulnerable and you're very honest. How how has this served your life and your business? I don't really know because, I mean, I just try and be myself in, in every moment. I, I try not to, you know, go to work and put on an act and or put on a mask or, 
you know, I, I just, I just am myself and what that has meant, you know, but, but I obviously have noticed it in other people that we've worked with over the years that come in and, and feel like they have to be someone else in order to get ahead and they have to look a certain way and they have to perform and act a certain way. And, you know, I always just try and be the first person around the boardroom table to put up my hand and say, I don't know what that means or hang on a minute, hang on, I'm lost, you know, backtrack. What did you say there? And I'm just not scared to look silly or be the first one to ask a, a dumb question. And it's not to say I'm not intelligent. I, I, I hope I'm highly intelligent, but I just feel when you're vulnerable and when you're real, it opens up the doors for other people to do that. And I feel particularly in our workplaces that it's it's a sad fact that we do have to be someone else. Um, and, you know, I, I just try and be a role model for my people to be able to say it's totally cool for you to be your yourself, bring your whole self to work. And, you know, we're going to allow you to do that here. The vulnerability thing, I, I just, I, I, I completely get Brene's work and I've always loved all her books and, and all her talks, obviously. And I just love that when I got really clear that it's actually a strength to be vulnerable, then I just decided to really, really dial that up. Um, and it does take some, you know, getting comfortable with, you know, it, it's not always a, a comfortable feeling to admit when you don't know something or admit that you've made a mistake, I'm always the first person to go, oh shit, sorry, that was me. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. And again, by you doing that, it gives permission for others to be able to say, oh, okay, yeah, I messed up too. And it actually is, you know, we've been able to create really a really beautiful culture of business chicks because of, because of that sort of philosophy. And it's funny when people show up in the business and they're not used to talking like that or acting like that, it really, really stands out. Um, but it's something that I'd love to see more happening in the business landscape and, and the political landscape with our leaders being able to admit their flaws and um, their mistakes. Um, but, you know, if I can do my little bit, then then I hope that's a contribution for sure. Yes. And vulnerability makes people lean in. It connects us and it really bonds us and um, takes our relationship from this surface level Hey, how are you? Yeah, good. You good? Yeah, busy. Yeah, busy. Like boring. <laughs> boring. Like boring. Like I want to know how are you really? Like how's your soul? Like what's going on for you? How can I support you? What's going on in your world right now? Like one of the questions I ask my friends is, how's your heart? You know, how's your heart today? I don't say, how are you? Like I'm, I want to know how you are. Like how's your soul? And by just changing that dialogue and being vulnerable we open the floodgates for a deeper, intimate, more fulfilling connection, I think anyway. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree. And I feel like with you, you were very vulnerable in this book and you shared so many really you know, personal stories about your daughter and things like that. But I also loved about a year ago, maybe it was longer, I can't remember. I don't know how I stumbled across your birth images. I don't know where I found it. I think maybe because you had the same, I think you might have had the same midwife or doula as my friend Peter Kelly. I think we had the same um, birth photographer and doula, gorgeous Jerusha, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so for some reason I stumbled across your images and I was, like I just was obsessed I, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, holy moly, because I'd only seen you in this business light and then I'd seen you in this. No, naked. <laughs> naked. <laughs> um, but, you know, just seeing you as this powerful 
goddess, feminine, like you just looked, first of all, so beautiful and so powerful. And then I think I stumbled across a few of your children's birth images. Maybe there might have been two or three. And I was just like, I fell so in love with you because I was like, wow, that is such a beautiful thing to share. Such a beautiful thing. And I love in the book that you talk about not subscribing to other people's stories. And I think when you fall pregnant, a lot of people want to projectile vomit their stories down your throat. And I love that you didn't do that. But how has winging it played out in birthing and parenting for you? Like that's just life's biggest lesson in winging it, isn't it? I mean, far out. So the birth thing, I mean, if I could give birth every single day of my life, I honestly would. Oh, wow. Because you've got five children now. Do you want more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would. I mean, I've got names for my sixth and seventh baby, but I don't think I'm going to be allowed to have them. My husband says, absolutely not. No way. There's no more nada zero. We're just not doing it. But um, it's, it's, it's up to me. So <laughs> we'll see. I love birth. I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, um, I, I do pregnancy pretty well. I, you know, I get a bit of morning sickness, but nothing like what a lot of my friends have had. And I just keep going as if I'm not pregnant. I just keep working and, um, you know, running and, and wearing high heels and the whole thing. So I, I just, not that I don't notice it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, um, hibernation at, at, at times and, and I'm super connected with all my bubs, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I love being pregnant and I've discovered that I love giving birth. And, um, you know, I grew up in a family, I'm the eldest of three and my mom, um, had really, really, she calls them traumatic birth experiences, um, with all three of us, you know, my sister and I were big bubs and, um, you know, she had to have a hundred thousand million stitches, <laughs> it's a slight exaggeration, but then my brother was an emergency cesarean. So I grew up being so fearful of childbirth. I mean, t- to the point actually thinking, I'm not going to have children because I'm just that scared of it. And, you know, it was just not going to be part of my future. And then I met uh, Rowan, my husband, and um, we fell pregnant, you know, almost immediately. Again, with, you know, no plan, it just kind of happened. And, you know, then I worked out that, okay, I'm going to have to get this, get this baby out somehow. And I am a, I'm a very, very competitive person. Um, and so I thought, okay, what's the, how, how can I get my head right? How can I have the best birth possible? And so I, educated myself, I started going to all these courses like Calm Birth and um, these beautiful birthing courses in Sydney, New South Wales, um, called Birthing Rights and started to read and watch birth videos and the whole thing and just decided that I think I can have a natural birth and I think I can do it at home. And that led me to discovering the beautiful um, private midwives that, that serve so many beautiful women. And we had our first bub nine years ago now and Honestly, like nothing in business can compare to, you know, the act of giving life of, of, you know, growing a little human and birthing a life. I mean, it's the closest to God I've ever, ever felt. It's a deeply spiritual and deeply, I mean, you can tell that's why I want to, <laughs> want to do it every day because it just has this intensity which causes you to question every part of your being, you know, can I do this? Um, you know, all your self-doubt comes up um, and, and you just have to climb mountains in in that laboring process and then somehow you do it and you come out the other side and you're like I just did that and I remember the first time I gave birth I thought I can do anything now there is nothing that anyone can throw at me that I'm not going to be able to figure out after I've had that experience and that feeling becomes addictive and it's probably why I've done it five times now and um you know my all the, all my births have been absolutely extraordinary um my fourth was very 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 challenging um he was four 
uh, 4.9 kilograms or 10 pounds, like it's a huge, huge, huge bubba. My husband says he came out in his school uniform. Like he was just this massive tank of a little, little man. And, you know, I, I did have to work you know, really hard that night to get him out. And he came out and he was um, unresponsive. He was blue and his heart rate was, you know, he, he was not well when he came out. Um, and, you know, of course, people don't understand home birth. Um, and I think the midwife just arrives with a towel and sits back and goes, good luck with this. It's not the case at all. The midwife is there to make sure the mother is safe and the baby is safe and will do anything to make sure that that outcome happens. So, of course, she was able to resuscitate him with oxygen and, of course, suction him and um you know he pinked up really quickly but it was a very very long long 40 seconds um obviously but you know after that experience i just you know again had that same feeling of i can do anything and you know it's i, I steal that quote from Brene brown you know and i tell my daughters i have four daughters and one son and i just say baby girl we can do hard things and it's something i said to myself in that labor you know probably 400 times that night but i did it and um you know he's a beautiful three-year-old boy now and um yeah let me do it two more times <laughs> at least. <laughs> and do you attribute your mindset to all of that? Yeah, 100%. It's it's you know for me it's it's all been about getting my head right. But you know you you have to build build that story and I, you know you started off with that questioning about you know the people that you have around you and and hearing those negative stories and people just want to tell you ne- their negative stories and how hard birth was. And I, I made a very conscious decision somewhere in my first pregnancy that I was not going to listen. And, and that, that's a very, it can be a very abrupt response to say to someone, oh, oh, you know what, actually, I'm just not going to take that on for the moment. I'm trying to have a really great birth and I just trying to only hear positive stories. Like it, that sounds, that wording can sound quite abrupt and, and can really um, offend people because it, birth is such a deeply personal um, experience for everyone. And I'm not, for one second saying my way is is the right way. It worked for me, um, you know, and I obviously support all women's choices. And if you want to, you know, two of my best friends had planned C-sections and that's fantastic. It worked for them. They loved the experience. They came out saying that was the best birth ever and that's fantastic. Um, for me, that was the, the birth I wanted and I had to work really, really hard at surrounding myself with positive people who viewed birth pos- positively, who saw possibility in natural birth and that's just what I did. So, I think it's mindset is, is really, really critical but, you know, how do you develop a psyche based on what you're trying to do through a lot of different sources? So, you know, I was able to build that story in my head to know that it was possible going into that first birth and that became my truth and that became the reality. So, you know, I, I mean, it comes back to manifesting, it comes back to mindset but ultimately at some level you've got to tell all your cells in your body that you're capable of doing whatever it is you want to do and and you've got to convince them and then you know I reckon it it can happen. Mm, Not just in birth too it's in every area of life. Yeah 100%. I actually had a girlfriend come over for lunch the other day and she is about to go through her first round of IVF and um she said to me, you know, once the baby is here, I'm going to, you know, we're talking about transferring her home. She's like, I'm going to turn that room into a guest room for my mum because I'm going to need my mum. I'm going to really need her help. I'm going to need her a lot. Like, so she'll probably come stay. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, what if you changed that story a little bit? And instead of saying, I need my mum from that fear-based place, because that's a story. Like, what if you just said, I'm just going to have my mum there because I want to share it with her. 
You know, like what if we just changed that story a little bit so that it was more inspiring? And I see a lot of people, they're like, I'm going to need the help. I'm going to need help. I'm going to need help. I'm like, well, what if you don't? Like, what if your baby sleeps and you don't need the help? Like, we've got to be super mindful of the stories that we tell ourselves, not just in birth, but in every area of our life. Yeah, 100%. I mean, language is so, so, so critical in every single area of life, you know, from wealth creation through to your career, through to birth, through to your relationships and just spinning the language on the way you see things can can make all the difference. You know, I mean, I, I think one of the books that I think about all the time is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I read that book as a teenager and my, I think I mentioned it in Winging It actually. It's one of the um, lines that just really resonated with me was a, a rich person, sorry, a poor person will see the massive mansion on the hill and say, oh, I can't afford that. And the wealthy person will walk up and see the massive mansion on the hill and say, how can I afford that? And it, it just changes everything. You know, you just change one or two words and it sets your mind to possibility and it, it just starts un- unlocking, you know, the pathways to possibility to say, hang on a minute. Okay, well, let's try and strategize to see how I could get that outcome or, yeah, so, so I, lo- I love that. I think I think we've all got to watch um, the, the reframing and the languaging and, and, and the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others for sure. Yeah. Love it. What do you attribute your success to? Do you think it's been your mindset? I think more than anything, it's about being kind to other people. I think that's really something um, I try and do everywhere, um, everywhere I go. You know, mindset is, is, is one part of it, but I think that we need to bring more kindness back to ourselves. You know, I, I always try and you know, like I am very competitive. I'm really ambitious. I'm really, really driven. I, um, you know, don't like to lose anything. And it's, it's usually, it's, it's mostly competing against myself, but I just, um, um, that's the way I'm wired. But, you know, so mindset plays a huge thing, but I think we have to look at our relationships and the way we show up with other people. And I, I just, and, and ourselves, and I try and be kind always and just relax into whatever situation I'm in and, you know, just know it's there for a reason. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, I don't know, I'm very chilled. I think that that helps as well. Um, I, I can manage my stress well. I don't sweat the small stuff. I, I think, you know, you alluded to it and in the book. I talk about it more, but we went through um, cancer with my four-year-old daughter, my eldest daughter. Um, and I think that experience really can shape who you are as a person. And it just made me think, you know, no challenge that I have in business is insurmountable. After going through that, um, birthing my bubba and having him be so huge and get stuck and come out blue, like I, nothing can compare to that. So and I'm not saying you have to have had adversity to appreciate life, but, um, you know, I was, I was calm and chilled before then, but now I'm kind of next level chilled. <laughs> People always say, why are you so calm? You should be panicking. Like, Nothing's going to face me. You know, every every single problem has an answer. And, you know, I mean, in our, in our business, we're about community building and we're about supporting women and, you know, it's it's not putting um, rockets on the moon. So, you know, we can solve any problem in, in front of us. And so I, I just, I, I think, you know, if I've had any success, it's due to me um, being really, really relaxed and, and being kind to people and, 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 yeah, working on how I view the world and, and my mindset. You are such an inspiration. I'd love to hear now, what is something, one thing that's bringing you the most joy in your life? To compartmentalize a little bit. I just love in my work, um, 
I love working with smart people. That that really inspires me and brings me a whole heap of joy. And my right now in my personal life, my little Bubba is just turned ten months, and she's just the cutest little cherub. She just got her third tooth, and she's all toothy. And I know I just I've, I've got this sense of this could be my last child, so I'm kind of savoring every single moment. And she's starting to pull herself up on things. And um, what I love most about her is is the way the other four kids just mother her and you know we all end up in our bed in the morning and um you know the three-year-old rider calls her the baby's name is piper but he calls piper my little coconut <laughs> he's like, good morning my little coconut and i don't know there's just there's just a lo- I, I love family life you know i i love um i love you know, being with my family and, and being with my children a lot. And, and, you know, when you said to me at, at the start, you, you, you saw, when we're talking about birth, you know, you saw me as a, a mother, that's, that's who I am. I mean, I've always, I've only ever been an entrepreneur um, as a really strong identity. And, and, you know, now being a mother is, is uh, my strongest identity and it doesn't need to, you know, I, I probably spend really, I don't know, equal amounts of time being a business person and being a mother. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I see myself as as a mother first and foremost, um, and it's taken a long time for me to kind of admit that and, you know, feel proud of it. Um, but yeah, so that's bringing me a lot of joy. My my little my little coconut, <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Oh gosh, I love the photos that you posted. Very, very, very cute. <laughs> so, what is one thing that you're working on or would like? to to improve within yourself at the moment is there anything that's you know right at the forefront of your mind yeah I'm not a I'm not a patient person I'm I want everything to happen now and that can kind of cause uh, a lot of crisis management <laughs> wherever I go so even though I'm super calm I'm I'm not patient so I I, I don't really do like that's oh, awful, but if people can't, you know, work as quickly as me or can't, you know, I get quite frustrated. So I really do have to work on being patient. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, after, I think I talk about it in the book quite a bit. Um, I'm really quite obsessed with um, this whole notion of strengths and we do a lot of strengths training in our, in our business. And so, you know, I can tell you what each of the people's top five strengths are and, and you know, pretty much any single people problem we have circles back to this notion of um, that's because we've got them doing a job that they're not strong in, you know. So, I, I get obsessed with, um, you know, working to my strengths and that's when I'm most happy and, um, you know, I really try and make sure our people are working you know, in their strengths as well. Um, but yeah, patience is something that I am really trying to work on. And yeah, I mean, I suppose the way I've, I've combated that in my career is by putting people around me who um, are better at stuff that I'm not good at and are, um, you know, can complement my skill set. And that's always really, really worked for me. But yeah, right now I'm really focusing on being patient. Are you patient? I have definitely gotten better at it. And but it's it's something that I've been very mindful of as well. Um, but I've gotten a lot better at it the more I've started meditating because I feel like I'm more present and I'm more in the moment. It's when I'm not being present and I'm in my head that I'm impatient and I'm rushing and I'm like, what's next? And I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But the more I meditate and I take that meditation into my daily life, then I kind of move through my day really present and mindful and then I'm a lot more patient. So if I miss a meditation, I find my patience kind of goes a little bit and I'll be a bit more snappy. I think meditation's really, really been supportive for me on working on that. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. I got to do more of that. I do try and like my first waking thought is let's just lie here and you know relax into you know waking up and whatever. And I have a I have a gratitude journal and I always reach out for that first and I write in it and that's great. I do that most mornings. That's been a practice I've done for many many years. Um, but I'm not a hardcore. Okay, I'm going to sit down for twenty minutes and meditate now. Um, and I, I think you know we all have the the, the same amount of time in a day, um, but you know, pre-kids, I thought I was completely infallible and, and um, you know, could work 24 hours a day and, and could get it all done. And I think kids really do bring you into the present and they really do kind of slow you down and force you to go, whoa, hang on a minute, they, their needs are such right now that I just need to sit on the floor and, you know, read this book or play the blocks and that it's like totally foreign territory to me but yeah i I agree that the slower you go i I feel like the the higher your performance and that's something that i try and yeah bring consciousness to all the time yeah and even you know doing the blocks or the lego and using that as a meditation you know being super present and being mindful with them and you know that's that's definitely because do i really want to play lego Mm, not really but i'm gonna (laughs) use I tell you, a parenting hack, parenting hack, if, if you choose to go down that path, is coloring in. Like, that is amazing. I don't want to do Lego. I'm, I'm great at doing stories and I'm great at having the long chats and the, the cuddles and all that sort of stuff. I hate the park. I hate Lego. But coloring in is so cool. I mean, you just sit there and you can, you know, do be in your own little world. You can still have the chat and, you know, just, just yeah, there's a little parenting hack for you. Just try that. <laughs> Yeah, such a good idea. And especially with all those beautiful mindfulness coloring in books now. Like I have a 12-year-old stepson, but he's obsessed with Lego. So it's a lot of Lego. And I'm like, all right, let's do another Star Wars Lego together. Right, I know. (laughs) Bless, so cute. I'd love to hear what is your morning routine? Do you have one? And, And if so, like how does that unfold for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's definitely ebbed and flowed over the years and I'm still nursing my bubba so you know she usually kind of wakes us up but if I beat her to that I'm always um like journaling only honestly for like five minutes a day but yeah I mean it's the day kind of starts with feeding her and then one by one the kids start to trickle in and and we have snuggles in the big bed and and that's kind of the way it starts so you know it's funny here in America, school starts really early at 8 a.m. and trying to get like, my four big kids go to school. So um, their age is three till nine. Trying to get four kids out the door by 7.30 is um, <laughs> quite a lesson in, I mean, you should see a house. It's like I'm honestly like an octopus in that kitchen and um, just getting it done. Uh, yes, so, so mornings mornings um, aren't necessarily my favorite my favorite time you know when when the, the door shuts and they all leave I kind of feel like I've I don't know run run a marathon and it's only 7 30 but you know the, the times when we don't have kids you know I, I I do try and take it slow but yeah I mean right now this is my life this is this is where it's at um and you know I've learned to I suppose condense my re- relaxation or like self-care time like we're before perhaps I needed like an hour long walk on the beach or a you know hour long hike, I can literally get that by walking around the block, and I'll feel just as good when I come through the gate. You know, I just have learnt that you know I don't have the expansiveness of time that that I used to have, um, and and that's totally fine. Not always going to be that way, but right now that's that's 
that's life and that's that's the phase we're in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides winging it. <laughs> yeah, or your two. Yes. Let's presume they're all in there because they all need to be. If you could pick one book, what would it be? Um, Okay, so I'm going to come from the lens of girls or let's pretend it's an (laughs) all-girls school. Sorry to all your beautiful male listeners. Look, I I think what's coming to mind for me right now, I don't know if you've heard of a brilliant woman. She's an American lady. She's actually a dear friend of mine as well. Her name is Dr. Lois Frankel. And she wrote a number of books which, you know, we kind of call her the original Sheryl Sandberg. She um, was lenient before it was a thing. um, And her book, which I don't know how many million, I think think it's in the millions of copies it's sold, but um, it's called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And it really is teaching women how to hold themselves, how to conduct themselves, how to show up, um, not only in the workplace, I mean, it's like 99% um, in the workplace, but I just think every single girl should read that book. It's, it's stuff like, you know, and I see it because I, I work in LA and I have the office in LA and I have to, not have to, I do dial into the Australian team meeting once a week and I, so I can see the whole business, you know, around this big um, room that we have. And, you know, there are some women in the company that don't put themselves forward and, you know, they don't kind of come into the table. It's, it's literally like leaning in and they don't involve themselves in the conversation or they have this kind of bitchy resting face or, you know, and all these sort of tools that women need, you know, like even just how to actually teach us things like sit next to the most powerful person in the room because just by association, you'll become more powerful. Be the first person to ask questions because by the time it comes, you know, you know how you go around a circle and say, okay, do you have a question? And by the time it gets to you and you're the eight, person there's no more intelligent questions to ask so you look a bit stupid like be the first person to put, shoot your hand up in the air and say and ask a question it doesn't even matter what the question is you just instantly look more powerful by, by doing so so i mean this is page after page after page of these tips and tricks of how we can increase power in um you know not only women but but start that power in 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 girls and she talks about financial literacy and building wealth and not sticking our heads in the sand when it comes to money and that's something that i'm very 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 passionate about um and i just think that book if it was placed in the hands of um you know young girls students would be would make such a difference by the time they come out of their schooling and into the workforce i think it could make such a difference Mm, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well as wing it so anyone can go and grab that but i've not read it so i'm really excited to oh you gotta i'll send you a copy oh i'd love to read it thank you okay i've got three little rapid fire questions for you In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? I think breathe. Just bring an awareness into how you're feeling and thinking is a really important thing. Slowing it down, breathing, just being in the present. Not very rapid fire, hey? (laughs) No, no, that's beautiful, beautiful. Okay, what about one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in every area of our life. I think believing we can, I think believing we're worthy, I think taking the first step, whatever that is, I think getting into action is absolutely critical in, if you're talking about wealth or abundance, just, you know, believe you can and then actually do something, you know, it's not enough just to kind of sit here and go, yeah, I believe I should make more money or whatever, like take that first step. doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how broke you are, doesn't matter, you know, what you've got on your credit cards, just start somewhere, pay $10 off, just move the game forward, put one foot in front of the other and start somewhere. 
Yeah, I love that. Those little things each day, taking inspired action every single day. Like you said, one step is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the last one is what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Love others and give out love. Giving and serving is the way to get more love. You know, if I'm feeling down, I'll try and do something nice for someone. If I see a friend going through depression, I encourage them to serve others. Like the more that we love, the more love we get back. It's like just a universal law that never fails. Mm, Yeah. Amen. I love that. Now, is there anything else that you want to share or anything that I didn't ask you about or any parting words of wisdom? I feel like we could go on and on. I feel like we have covered, I feel like we have gone from you seeing my birth photos and seeing me naked, we <laughs> talked about cancer, we talked about winging it, oh my God. No, I feel we covered so much territory and I just really appreciate the opportunity to be able to, you know, share with, with your beautiful community and, and with you. I just, yeah, I feel really, really grateful for that. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, there were so many other questions that I wanted to chat to you about. Even like in your book, I loved your time-saving hacks. They're epic, but everyone is just going to have to go and get your book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they were amazing. Like I was like, yes, time-saving hacks. I love these. Thanks, Em. So I really appreciate that. We'll link to your book in the show notes so everyone can go and get it. It is out now. But before we go, I just wanted to acknowledge you and say thank you so much for not only taking the time for this interview with me today, but for all the work that you do and for the leader that you are. You are such an inspiration to so many people and you really do walk your talk and you're such a big hearted person. And I love that about you so much. And I'm so grateful to know you and to have met you in person and to have read your book and just so grateful that you're out there shining your big, beautiful light. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Mel. It's beautiful. Really appreciate it. You're the best. What an angel. My goodness. I feel so inspired and grateful for all of her words of wisdom on life and business. I personally got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Em and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash one, two, three. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And I also wanted to remind you that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking relationships and soulful sex yet, all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your hands on a copy right now. And if you also head there, you can get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And it's free. So make sure you go and check it out. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. I love doing this show for you so much. 
It is like one of the highlights of my week. And I just want to honor you. Thank you for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You seriously rock. I hope you know that. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you have got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darlings, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. 